We get live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the Brew Who Podcast. This is not Adam Paris, co-managing editor of the website. He had to go and be a good parent. So I, Kyle Carr, am back from me trying to be a good parent last week. Uh, but joining me as always is my good friend, Riley Feldman. Riley, how's it going? I'm doing well, Kyle. Uh, usual Midwest weather update. It's cold as hell up here. It's going to get warm though. But to me, and I, I'd be curious for your thoughts, is there anything worse not then the brutal cold, but when it gets to like 40, sort of melts and then goes back down to freezing, like beneath freezing and everything just turns to ice. We've been dealing with that up here. It's been horrendous and it's going to be getting that this coming week and I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, I looked at the weather and this week is supposed to be around at least 30 every day for the next week, which is nice. But no, that's what that is what happened the past couple of weeks. It got up to 40. A lot of stuff melted and then it froze immediately overnight, which and we don't have a sidewalk in my neighborhood. So when I'm walking Geo, I have to walk on the road and just everything along the edge of the street is just pure ice. <laughs> and the end of my driveway. Like I'm going right into the middle of the street. Your only choices are like ice, like flip around on the ice or walk in the middle of the street. Well, and it's like Geo is someone that has to go along a snowbank to take to do what he needs to. So I'm walking on ice and when I have to cross the road, it's like when we're done, then I can walk down the middle of the road. But it's yeah. Oh, it's awful, but it could be worse. Like, imagine I, they play the freaking U.S. soccer game in St. Paul. <laughs> like, single digit. I think it was like at one point it was one degree. It was really, yes. I was, so I, I drive past, um, is it Allianz Field? Is that yeah. what it's called? So I drive past it every day on my commute back and forth from St. Paul to Minneapolis. Uh, when I, the night of, um, I was like, why is like the American, like red, white, and blue going around the, because I had no idea they were playing or whatever. And then I found out days later, I was like, are they insane? It was like negative 10 with the wind chill. And they, <laughs> who, who like authorized them playing that game then in January? Like somebody had the to US soccer mistake. federation was like, oh, <laughs> we're going to try and have home field advantage by putting it in St. Paul in February, which, yeah, it worked. The US won and like yeah. 200 players like had to be treated with hypothermia. So like, congrats. <laughs> It was it was just very strange. I was like, that's I thought they were just working on like the lighting system at the arena. I was like, oh, okay, they're just like testing it out. And then I found out there was a God's honest game going on that night, which is amazing. So yeah. shout out to US Soccer Federation. Good choice. Good yeah, choice. great choice. Great choice. I was that was ridiculous. <laughs> like I was like, even in Madison when it was like five degrees warm, I was like, this is awful. I don't want to be out here, like let alone playing. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Like, for all the players at home, or, like, all the American players, it's not like uh, American football where the guys are somewhat used to, like, okay, we play in Green Bay 
most weeks, like I'm just, you get kind of used to it. Like these guys are all over the place and then they all come together and they play like this one-off game. Like how much of a home field advantage is it when like all these dudes, you know, how many of them were really located in Minnesota or the upper Midwest to be used to this sort of stuff? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, most of these guys, like some play in Spain, some play in Italy, some play in like (laughs) Mexico. Like we're not, this is not the advantage you think, but whatever, I I guess- good on them but one player that will also get a chance to not have to travel somewhere in the cold is drew holiday um the all-star reserves were announced this past week drew holiday did not make it slightly surprising considering i think we all thought he would have been the second buck to make it but chris middleton was able to get selected he was in the all-star reserve um so he made it along with a bunch of other people that probably didn't deserve it aka james harden jimmy butler but uh chris middleton surprisingly made it but i also looked at the stats and was thinking maybe it's just something who knows his stats are down it felt like he's averaging 19 and a half points per game on 42 percent shooting from the floor and 30 just about just under 38 percent from three he has 5.6 rebounds and 5.3 assists so stat wise it's not too bad at least but still feels though riley like maybe this he shouldn't have made it i don't know what your thoughts are on that are it's I had no, I was totally surprised because it wasn't even on my radar of him making it. Uh, just because I thought he had like either missed too many games. He's only played forty two. It's not like he's missed like half the games or anything like that. So that wasn't an issue. But I figured with his scoring down a little bit, uh, and it just seemed like he had only really come on in the past month or two. I wasn't sure how much the coaching the coaches were going to weigh that when choosing reserves. Now, to be fair to him, he did get. I think snubbed last year, uh, he averaged like 20.4 points a game, which was just slightly under the year before. Um, he had good splits, things like that. So I thought that was a snub. So maybe we made up for it a little bit this year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was, I was shocked when it came through. I was like, holy crap. And to be fair, I haven't been keeping close track of the rest of the East. Um, the only other guy when I was looking around that would have been like a really big miss would have been like Lamella Ball, who is played five more games than Chris, and it has, like, slightly better averages um, in both rebounds and assists. And, it, like, Charlotte's, they're now in the plan, but they everybody's so close in the East that being in the plan is now like, wow, you're, like, a really crappy team. They've been, like, decent for them. So I thought the coaches would reward good progress from Charlotte instead, but it looks like they were like, look, we'll give Chris, he has, like, a good reputation. Maybe this, like, goes into the guys who have a good reputation is like, oh, he's... He's tough to game plan against. Let's, you know, give him another nod, these things like that. So I was surprised, but when you look at it, maybe it's not that shocking. I, I probably still would have gone with Drew, but I understand if they're like, you know, let's give Chris one more shout out here at the end. Yeah, and I mean, like with the guards, I think the guard pool was also deeper. Obviously, like I said, Lamella Ball not making it was probably a high indicator, but like Darius Garland got it, which I think he deserves it. 19 points, eight. eight Cleveland does deserve an all-star. Like the balance is individual performance and then which teams deserve an all-star. I think Cleveland for sure deserves an all-star. So that makes sense. And the Bulls getting Zach Levine. Right. That's Um, fine as well. Jason Tatum, if he's a guard, like he's averaging almost 26 points. Sure. Fred Van Vliet, I think is quiet. Like I've seen people like argue against it, but I can see it just because like he's still having a good, uh, performance like he's having a good season like 21 yes, yeah. 
points and seven assists like that's pretty good yeah, and he's lead i think he's leading the league in minutes played per game like he, yeah, is, he is carrying he's gutting toronto. it out <laughs> yeah he is carrying toronto like it's none other like i don't like james harden but stat wise it's like yeah okay fine like fine like what's jimmy butler doing here though let's let's get to he's the play, he played less games than chris he's only played 35 games <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, again, this is the somebody in Miami has to make it because they've been like so high in the standing. So I think that's probably what got if you were to look at LaMelo or like any other snubs is like, okay, was your team within like the top four? Um, If you were, then we're going to find somebody on the team. If you weren't, then, uh, you know. I think the Bucks have played well enough and Chris' stats are fine enough. And if other coaches respect him enough to give him the nod, I think it all makes sense now that, you know, we look back at it in retrospect. But uh, right. yeah, a bit of a surprise when it was announced. Yeah, it. I mean, it is what it is. It'll be cool. Good on Chris. Congrats. Um, congrats to you as well. At least you get a break. So now you don't have to do any other things. Um, the only other all-star news, I guess, was the idea that Giannis, Thanasis, and I think it was was it Costas. Are they're gonna do the skills challenge? I guess they're reformatting, so it's like pairs of three now. Yeah. So I don't know. That it seems like a cool idea. I, I, I anything that could anything they can do to try and make it more appealing, like these uh, skills challenge stuff. If they can try and make it interesting, go for it. Now here's the question, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Adetokounmpo family. Uh, not sure if those three are the best like triplet to go up there. You know, Thanasis might Thanasis might be the wink link in terms of skill, unless he's just literally do a tomahawk dunk, in which case, yes, obviously they're going to win the competition. But like Giannis is he doesn't have like the the passing. It, obviously he's a great passer and dribbler, but it's not the same as like being a guard who can do that. And uh Thanasis does not have a lot of skill. So I'm just, you know, it'll be a lot of fun, but I am not the betting favorite is not going to be the the Kumbo uh, family in terms of winning the whole no, thing. No, I, I, I want to watch just to see like how it will work, who's going to do what, because <laughs> I feel like Costas also isn't that good. I think he's just a tall, skinnier, and less aggressive version of Thanasis. So mm-hmm. which one of those is going to do the pass against Yacht? Who's going to do the shooting? That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> it's got to be Costas. I can't imagine. Well, maybe Giannis will elect for himself. He's like, look, I've been really, after this Portland game, he's like, I've been really in a in a zone with my three, so this is my chance to go for it. Maybe he'll elect for himself to get that. Yeah, it'll be fun. I I don't know. They should still bring the shooting stars challenge back, but that's a different discussion for another day. Uh, the other big news for Milwaukee, Greg Monroe is back for nine days, maybe even eight by the time you're listening to this. He signed a 10-day contract with Milwaukee. Uh, that started literally yesterday, and he played. I I am okay with this. I, I like this. Any Anytime you can bring back Greg Monroe, you do it. <laughs> I agree. And the the thing about Greg Monroe was when he was first signed to the Timberwolves, this was before the Bucks were had, I think it was like around the time they had Boogie or whatever. It was like, oh man, I didn't know Greg Monroe was out there available. And to bring him back, the key is like, can you be a guy who you don't have to score at all? You don't have to really, that's not Absolutely unnecessary if you're Greg Monroe. The key is, can you be a defensive guy who is a slight improvement over DeMarcus Cousins? I didn't watch any of Greg Monroe's games when he was with the Timberwolves. More so, um, it looks like what you have to do is just box out and have a little bit of foot speed. He has no lift whatsoever. He's like very DeMarcus Cousins-esque with his lift at the Portland game is any sort of indication. 
Um, it's just more so guy who knows the franchise. Uh, he's not going to be looking for a shot anymore because he's on his way out in his career. So I was like, can you play some defense? I don't know, like looking around at other names, he seems like as solid a 10 day guy as possible. You can sign a guy to two 10 days. So he might be here for 20 days to help bridge that gap between we need somebody to help absorb some center minutes for Giannis and Bobby. And Brooke is gradually moving his way back into like health here, which we'll talk about in a minute. So of all the options out here, fine by me. One could be like, oh, Bucks are being too sentimental. But um, if you're not going to have particular guys available, I think this is as solid of a pickup as you can. Yeah, and I mean, it's someone that, you know, he never had much lift anyway, even in it's his true. first stint in Milwaukee. It's so true. it's not like he had it. Um, but I, I think it's good. I think Mitchell mentioned in the uh, extended recap from the Trailblazers game, you know, it, it's someone that is a traditional five that can take away Giannis having to play minutes at the five. I think that's kind of the key aspect of it. You know, obviously Bobby being a starting center, you can bring in Monroe. You don't have to have Giannis play extended five minutes, especially against someone like Yusuf Nurkic, which I mean, Giannis probably can hold his own. Like, I, I have no doubt about that, but you, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to put him through that. So I think that's kind of the key area is you're getting a le- you're still getting a legitimate center that can, you know, have that body. And yes, DeMarcus Cousins was definitely filling that void. But I, I think Greg Monroe defensively probably still offers a little bit more. I, I think offensively it's going to be interesting because he was someone that really did live more on that low block. And <laughs> Giannis definitely did what he can to get him going. But I, I think it's just going to be nice in that aspect. And who knows where this is going because maybe this is just, okay, we know Brooke is coming back soon and we just need to have a filler in the meantime. Or maybe it's, Let's just see what's there. And worst case scenario, like best case scenario, you could give him the 15th roster spot. Worst case scenario, after the possible 20 days, you just you just go back to square one and then the buyout market, you see what's out there. So I have no issue with it. It'll be interesting to see, though, how they go about because, I mean, it seems like he's going to play like it's he's going to get, you know, probably somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes a game. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. So let's say he signs two 10 days, right? So the trade deadline is next Thursday, the 10th. Um, His first 10 day will get him past that to, I think, the 15th. At that point, if he signs the second 10 day, that'll cover pretty much the entire period of a lot of the buyout guys, um, or at least getting us kind of acquainted with who's going to be a buyout guy. So I think that works out not only from he fills a specific role. uh, I think it'll be interesting uh, in some of the bench lineups when Giannis isn't out there, how that works. I think the spacing, this is the issue his first time here when Giannis started to emerge was like the spacing when Greg and Giannis is out there is pretty horrendous. Like at least DeMarcus could space the floor in theory. Um, So that'll be something to keep an eye on. I think it'll be mostly non Giannis minutes that Greg goes out there, which is fine. Uh, And then if you sign to a second 10 day, if you don't trade anybody uh, at the trade deadline, then you have an idea for that 15th roster spot. He fills it for the moment, but then if somebody becomes available that you like, Greg can obviously go. But if nothing ends up lining up, you have a center who you're pretty comfortable with. Uh, You'll get a good idea over the next, you know, two or three weeks of how he fits. I, I think everything about the process here makes sense. Yes. You know, I, I doubt it was like a sentimental pick. Uh, I think, John Horse traded like one of his first moves was to trade <laughs> trade Greg. So uh, John Horse has no sentimentality about Greg necessarily, uh, you know. But a big body who has performed okay at other teams uh, this season, uh, and obviously will be much more acquainted to his lesser role. I think it's all all good all the way. Yeah, around. 
Yeah, and I think having that chemistry with Giannis and Chris always helps. Like, I feel like he can come in, be a good locker room dude. Like, he knows Milwaukee, understands it. He knows Giannis and Chris. I'm sure they're happy to see him as well. Like, I, I just think it is one of those where this is a low-risk, probably medium reward. Like, I, I don't think he's going to probably stay on the roster past the two 10 days, which I would love, personally, just from a fan of Greg Monroe. And yeah, let's, get, let's get Greg Monroe a ring. Let's do it. Come on, right. do this like, for Greg. I at least <laughs> want, like, the single selfish aspect of me is I liked Greg Monroe, and I told my wife that she was like, oh, this is the great. This is going to be the greatest 10 days ever. Like, <laughs> this is awesome, because when she became a fan of the Bucks, like, that, it was right before... Greg Monroe announced that he was coming to Milwaukee. So then she was just like, oh, okay. And like, I was telling her how big of a deal it was. So she was like, oh, okay, fine, cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so I I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, this could be a filler for Brooke Lopez, who apparently, I don't know if he's close to back. It, it's funny because it seems like everything is pointing to Brooke maybe being back soon-ish. They said he was traveling with the team out west on their West Coast world trip. Which, and then everyone's like, oh my God, Brooke is coming back. And then they're saying... <laughs> It's because he's gonna check and stop in LA and get a progress report on his back. And everyone's like, with, "Oh, with the surgeon that was there, he got the surgery in LA, so he's gonna go see the surgeon just for a checkup." Is all. Well. <laughs> yeah, and then he's out here putting up threes in practice now. Like earlier this morning, the Bucks put uh put the gif of him eating a donut. So I I don't know what game the Bucks are playing right now, but I don't know. Like, th- I still don't think Brooks coming back until like mid March. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I agree. I think uh, the Bucks social team obviously not clued in whatsoever to what's going on with the actual team. We so have how not... this happens again, where it's like, oh no, I, I want to hear them say, oh, this was pre-planned. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> was it now? Just like the Grayson Allen one. <laughs> I mean, we've seen so many sightings of Brooke uh, in like the background. I think last night against Portland, they had like Greg Monroe doing some warm up and then there was Brooke on the other side of the floor getting up some threes. So it was like, Oh, Brooke sighting. So uh, I have no idea. Obviously we have no idea what his, what's going to happen is it's going to be a random Tuesday and Bud is going to be like, yeah, uh, Brooke is back. He's starting tonight. That's how it's going to be. We're going to have zero clue that it's going to happen until probably 20 minutes before the game. So, uh, or alternatively, he never comes back and never plays another game of basketball. Those are mostly our options that we're looking at right now. But it does seem like he's progressing in the right direction. Um, And the Greg Monroe thing, I would not look at that as like, oh, Brooke has had a setback. That's just to help fill the gap here. So uh, to help bridge the gap between now and when Brooke is back, because it seems like everything's lining up of, if not end of February, early to mid-March, he'll be back for hopefully 10 to 15 games before the playoffs. So, Yeah, he looks mobile he looks in good spirits so you know i think that's encouraging that he at least looks like he's in a decent mood seems like everyone around him looks like they're in a good mood so i at the very least it feels as though worst case maybe doesn't come back till literally day one of the playoffs <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of those where if maybe and this maybe we'll see how this uh consultant check in with the surgeon goes because based off of how everyone's reacting it seems like they know brooks coming back it's just a matter of when it's not like he, yeah. everyone's like down or or maybe all the videos that the Bucks are posting are just like the five seconds where people are happy to see Brooke and then it, he drops the bombshell. Yeah, I'm actually not playing. <laughs> That's just the behind the scenes yeah. stuff that we don't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I think it's all coming together. It just the, the main question isn't so much like it seems like his health is going to be okay. It's how much time does he need in terms of actual playing time to get back up to speed. Um, and that's going to be the real key. Like, I, 
obviously if it was if he is only available starting like the very first game of playoffs i'll take it the ideal and the bucks have been pretty cautious about getting guys back up to speed but i think the idea would be if he can have 10 to 15 games um maybe like the first five games to like minute load just like a couple minutes here or there and then like 10 games to kind of really work back into a flow uh, i think that would be ideal anything less than that you're going to start uh, pushing it a little bit of like how how ready is he going to be just in terms of muscle memory that's the only thing is like he knows exactly his role. It, like everybody knows how to play play around him. It's going to be muscle memory and how much time does he need to like build that back up. I think they'll be fine with it, but that's the that's the one concern of like the timing of when he comes back. Yeah, I, I think that's true too. Another injury update: George Hill has missed the last three games with neck soreness, and I guess he'll be out for a while. I did not realize this because I was like, "Where is George Hill?" I was because like, uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I didn't realize I didn't see the news of the neck soreness, so I think it was the wizards game i was just sitting there i was like where is he like mm-hmm. why is he not playing what what why are we running dante a point guard i'm confused but there there you go so i i don't know i, I don't have much thoughts on this riley what are yours I, I think it's a dnp old those are those are what that are he he might have like tweaked his neck and they're like i think there's not that many games left for the all-star break i know um lisa was saying on the broadcast that coach bud mentioned that he's been out he's gonna be out for a couple of days uh and might be missed you know, not like a ton of games, but a couple of games um, just as they like rehab it or whatever. So I think it's literally just DNP old and let them have a break up into the all-star break to get ready for the, you know, the final push home. So that's what I would guess that is. Yeah, that's fair because I think what they have like six games left before the all-star yeah, break. Not and much, then, not much yeah, and then it's like after that. So yeah, that's probably, that's probably a good analysis. I'm sure like why about like, especially the neck, it's like, there's no point in, pushing it unless it's a playoffs and maybe like he would push it but you know you have the west coast trip which is always going to throw you off and then you're going to come back play another three games you know that week and then you have the break so yeah i could see just get through this west coast trip get through the next week following and then just relax for another like try and get as much rest as you can uh, just yeah. because once you do, once we do come back, it's going to be game after game after game, and yeah. you don't have to worry about. And then you still have another trip out west as well, so it definitely could pile on. Yep. Nope. Agreed. So nothing to be concerned there, but uh, just keep it in mind that George Hill is out. So when you see a lot, when you see a lot of Dante running the points, uh, you know the reason why is because George is resting his neck. It, that is the reason, and we're just gonna have to deal with it unless he gets traded. Which who knows? Uh, Dante. There is a report from Mike Scotto from Hoops Hype. He said Dontre has drawn considerable trade interest from teams around the league. Uh, however, Milwaukee isn't going to move him unless they get a young, good young player or someone that's going to help them win the season. Which, duh. I, I, I feel like <laughs> Mo- as much as Dante has not helped his value, I'm sure Milwaukee still would not just get rid of him for nothing. This is not Chevy Ojale bad. Like he, he's yeah. improving to an extent, but it, it is not. Shemuel Jolie bad. Like, Dante, on two days rest, Dante's great. So let's just uh, make sure that every game he gets two days rest. And we'll be fine. We'll be solid. He, you know, he shoots the ball the best. He has the best offensive rating and defensive rating. He makes his three points. Like, he is significantly better. (laughs) Although he also, and he gets more points from his assists. Like, people assisting him on two days rest. So I think that's just the key. Let's just do that and not try and F around elsewhere. But... I don't know. Like, I feel like this is a very 
no shit Sherlock kind of tweet. Like, I don't know. I don't honestly, honestly, I could have, I've, I have no sources whatsoever. I could have written this tweet and sent out the same exact thing. I could have literally everything about it is yes. X plus Y equals Z. You're like, okay, yeah, makes, <laughs> makes sense to me. Understandable. Yeah. It, it's more of a, I think it's still trying to keep him at the forefront. Um, Cause it sounds like, I think there was also a thing that was going out that said Dante and Grayson Allen both got offered money in the offseason. I don't know how legit this was. I forgot where I, I think, saw this. I think, I think Eric Name reported that. I think okay. that was in his sit-down with, because if you missed it, I think it was a week or two ago, he had a sit-down. I think it was just this past week, actually. He had a sit-down interview with Dante, and in that he mentioned that the Bucks had offered both Dante and Grayson extensions. Um now, it wasn't clear what the timing on that. If it was like we offered it to Dante, Dante said no, so we traded for Grayson and offered him the contract. Like right. that wasn't clear necessarily. But um, yes, it does sound like the Bucks did offer Dante an extension. He obviously opted to not go for it. Um, and then Grayson took the extension and said, but I think there was a follow up. I don't know if it was the name piece or Mike Scotto who said that the Bucks, um, if they if the like return for Dante isn't good enough, they'd rather just keep him and try and sign him in restricted free agency, um, which I think also makes sense. Like that, every, the Dante situation is difficult because his trade value could probably not be any lower between like various injuries. I think he said in the name piece that the ankle ligament that he tore against Miami, it'll just never like reconnect to like all the ligaments in there. Cause it's just like, it gets stuck underneath some bone. <laughs> like it just sounded That's encouraging. It, I mean, he, he's looked fine. So, I mean, maybe it's not the end of the world, but he's had that. So injury trouble, obviously he's had like an up and down return to the bucks and it, it just makes sense from the bucks perspective. Like, okay, if it's going to be like future protected second round picks, we'd rather hold on to him. We need youth within like the guard rotation um, he's he's probably not going to get like a huge offer from anybody in restricted free agency unless he has like a really crazy end of the season in playoffs. Um, so everything about it makes sense of like, look, if there's like a really good offer, we'll go for it. Otherwise, um, if it's just low ball offers, we'd rather hold on to him, see if sign and trade or even bring him back because we need young guys and maybe Dante bounces back eventually. Like I can understand where they're coming from with, yes, we mock this report as like, yes, it makes sense. But you can understand if you, put out all the logic why they would want to hold on to him or maybe even wait until restricted free agency. Yeah, I I feel as though Dante still has something to offer. It's not I don't think it's at the peak of what we saw from Dante, but I think it's still something, you know, it's a little bit different in terms of the Pat Connaughton mold where his gambling can be more of an asset on defense than Pat. Obviously doesn't have the offensive, you know, benefit that Pat and George Hill and Grayson Allen does, but I think defensively he's probably at at the same level if not better than all three. So there is something out of it, and it's in case again. George Hill is still kind of old. Grace Allen is still not the best defensively. You you probably still want to keep him around, even in those spot minutes. And I think once he gets to the playoffs, then it'll be a more interesting situation on if he's going to get minutes or not. But yeah, at that at that point, you might as well just ride out with Dante. He knows the system. Unless you're getting something that's actually going to benefit you in the playoffs, there's no point in just getting rid of it just for like you said protected seconds. And who knows, like maybe they give him a qualifying offer and he, and when they do get it offered, like put it in some other team's hand, like, okay, we're going to offer all this money. And then walk, can you just say no and walk away? Like they can at least go in and be like, all right, we're going to plan to give the qualifying offer. If he takes it, you know, great. If he doesn't, we'll see what happens in free agency. And then it's kind of out of the box hands at that. It's 
not out of the Bucks' hands, but it's not as much of a priority for the Bucks as opposed to trying to figure out like Bobby Portis's contract. What what happens if Pat Connaughton opts out? How like what number do you try and get with him? So I think it makes sense. Like yeah, like I joke about it, but at the same time, it is a there's something to be said of keeping Dante, not necessarily because of the encore contribution, just because more of a it's better to have that. It's better to have something you know than to get rid of something and bring in something that's a question mark. And the the other thing to consider as well is um, the ability to trade Dante. Part of the difficulty this year is he makes like an okay amount of money, but he doesn't make so much that it's like easy to match salaries. If he gets an offer of, let's just say it's like seven or eight million a year or something from some other team, and we end up matching that, um, that's a seven to eight million dollar contract that we could potentially then trade into the future, especially if Dante recoups some value. Um, so we're having difficulty. The teams have a difficulty with their cap sheet because there's the high end earners and then there's the guys who make nothing. And there's not a lot of guys in between. And Dante could be one of those guys where he's sort of in the in between. He could be even more so if he makes a little bit more money, but it's not so much as like a you know, like, uh, what's his face? John Hollinger's, like, predictive engine who guessed that Dante was going to get, like, $20 million a year or something. Good Lord. <laughs> That's not going to be the case. If it is, God bless you, Dante. I salute you. That's going to be amazing in Sacramento. Assuming that's not the case, it makes sense to be like, look, we'll bring him back. Like he said, all the other guards and everything. Like, everything... You know, if I'm being objective, I know last week, people who listened last week were like, Riley, you were saying to trade him for a bag of chips. That might be the case still. I wouldn't be mad at that. But I can step back and understand why it is that if you keep Dante, you match him. Then you have a contract to trade. Like, all this stuff makes sense. So don't, you know, if he's still around, I will try to remember that while he dribbles the ball off his foot in critical moments in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm also in the, unless you're, and this kind of ties into what you got, you and Adam were talking about last week with Vance piece of what to get. If you're going to get him for a wing that can guard a Kevin Durant, that can guard a DeMar, like just like a dynamic wing that can also, that is slightly better than Wes Matthews, then do it. Yeah. I have no problem. I don't think trading for a big makes sense. I don't think trading him for a ball handler is going to happen just because I feel like competent like very competent ball handlers are not going to come for cheap so mm-hmm. at that point if you can get a wing that could like kind of what pj tucker did last year what we were hoping chemi ultimately would do yeah do that trade i have no problem with it maybe try and get a second round pick included in it all right fine i will be upset but i would get it at least but i guess that's where i'm also at with the bucks where i don't think they're going to do anything in the trade deadline because their top earners are players they have to have in Giannis and Chris and Drew their bottom earners are guys that probably aren't going to get much in return your Jordan Waras mm-hmm. even Dante Shemiel Jolie Rodney Hood and then the ones in between are Pat who you probably want to keep even though even if his like his value is probably the highest right now and if you can cash in on it great but I doubt Milwaukee's going to willingly want to do that Bobby Portis which you're not going to get rid of and Brooke Lopez we're not going to get rid of like all the other guys that are in the middle that could bring something in return you're not trading so yeah I don't think Milwaukee's gonna do anything at the trade deadline I think they're gonna wait to see who's on the buyout market and hope for the best there yeah is that and do you think that's your like optimal like are you comfortable enough obviously you flip Dante or like if you could for like a wing but do you think if that's the case, you're pretty comfortable with the situation if that's what they end up doing? Yeah, I think I'm fine with it just because, again, it seems as though Brooke is likely coming back 
before the postseason, which is good. I think the only reason why you get a big is to help in the regular season, which you're doing right now, bringing in a guy like Greg Monroe. You can try and bring some other big in on another 10-day contract. You can just keep rotating until there's someone on the buyout market that either makes sense to get you through the regular season and not put mile too many miles on Giannis and Bobby and potentially Brooke, or you get a wing defender that can guard the Katie's, the DeRozan's, the Jason, like get someone that can do that wing defending and take that load off of West Matthews or be better than West Matthews. And that's what I think is really, I'm more interested in what to do with that 15th roster spot in the buyout market, just because I don't think there's going to be a trade that's going to move the needle enough for them to pull the trigger on it. I, I know there's that one joking trade that's out there for like Dante a first and Shemmy Ozilay for Tyrese Halliburton, which <laughs> if that were to happen, I would be all for it. But yeah, I'm hitting the no green trade. light. I'm hitting smashing the green light if that's if that's on the table. If that were to happen, I would be ecstatic with that. That's not happening. So no, I have no I'm also just like whatever on the trade deadline. I, I think it's one of those where it was fun when Milwaukee was kind of in that in between, but now it's like we have our guys. We have the guys. We know they can win. Now it's just a matter of the fine margins. And I think with Pat and Bobby, those are your fine margins. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I I think they'll probably be quiet. Uh, Obviously, what what kind of level of trade would have to happen for you to come on for an emergency podcast? Which what level of player would we have to trade for that to be a case? (sighs) I think uh, would it have to be above Dante, above Dante in the yeah, order. Like, I know Van mentioned PJ Washington. Like I would be good with that. Like that. Oh would my god, be I'd enough. love that. That would be like, amazing. So you would, would do an emergency pod for that? Uh depending on when it happens. <laughs> I consider yeah. it. Yeah, okay. If it happens at like two PM on Thursday, like maybe I'll do it later that night. Sure. Okay. All right. But it's not going to be a we're going to all log on from work. I'm no, going to have to call in from the bathroom in my corner. I am office. too busy to do that. If I did that, everyone would be like, okay, <laughs> no. Then that's when everything hits the fan at work. Um, yeah. No, I would say like a PJ Washington like ask like kind of dude, and maybe I can't think of, like PJ Washington was like I saw that I was like oh that'd be great. I don't know if he's available, but. Is, is that's the point like i don't even know who would be available realistically yeah. that would make yeah. me want to consider it because i don't i don't want to waste my time it's like the draft now i don't want to waste my time on it yeah i'll say this much if we do get tyrese halliburton for some reason for dante and a 2045 future first round pick i will call in from the restroom at my office and we will do the that the that i will podcast. do an emer- that one i will be more <laughs> likely to do emergency pod during work Okay, well, keep an eye out, uh, listeners, for emergency podcasts in case something crazy happens. But I, I doubt anything's going to happen. Uh, we haven't heard a whole bunch. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Good times. Yeah, and I guess we can talk about these games. Uh, Denver game was an absolute mess. Um, that was... Oh, I forgot, forgot to add the Denver game. Yeah, I, I think so that's... of a mess that I didn't I stopped watching after it. the third quarter. I, like, halfway through the third quarter, I was like, you know what? I'm going to play the new Pokemon game. I'm walking away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got boat raced. Boat raced at home, not good. So, I mean, so obviously since I forgot to add it, I didn't add it uh, to our little recap. Was it just that the Nuggets were hot? Or I think I did read that Drew and Giannis were a little frustrated that they didn't decide to play Nikola Jokic straight up. um, And he kind of picked us apart, which that's what he does. I mean, everybody knows that's what he does. So do you think that was the biggest key? And It started with... They couldn't miss, and it was like, okay, whatever. Then they were just not guarding Jokic straight up, and that was allowing them to pick their pockets. And, like, they would make a pass to a guy that's open, or they make a pass that led to another pass to an open guy that could not miss. Denver was on a hot streak. Like, Aaron Gordon hit a step-back three in Giannis's face. 
it's tough that that is a that's pretty much how the game was like at that yeah. point like this was when the game was still relatively close to like milwaukee was still getting like picked apart defensively but they were doing enough offensively to keep in the game and then their shots stopped falling and denver just continued to pick them apart in the third quarter then that it was it was all of a sudden like, i think they got it down to like six points and then it ballooned up to almost 20 by the end of the quarter so then it was kind of a all right this isn't happening tonight it, it is what it is yeah they how they were guarding Jokic was questionable at best so that's kind of the nuggets recap i saw like i said i stopped watching like midway through the third quarter yeah he's a tough guy for the buck he's always been a tough guy for the bucks to cover because obviously if you do like a traditional center on him uh, he's gonna space it and kill and he doesn't like He'll drive, but he doesn't drive all that much. Like he's obviously more so he drives with the purpose of freeing up another guy to pass to, and he's an excellent passer. Or if he's just positioned on the elbow, he's just waiting for dudes to cut and he's like, oh, <laughs> he's just throwing all over his like, you know, he's just a very tough cover. Um, he always has been. And you can understand maybe in theory with like a more mobile lineup with Bobby or Giannis and Drew um, to try and face guard him or force him to like start an action instead of giving him the space to make something happen. Right. Uh, but I, I think it kind of makes sense that with our personnel, um, you know, we play a little aggressively, but if he's not doing a lot of pick and rolls, we're not going to like go out to him. So it's just, you know, tough. It's just kind of a weird guy to try and cover. And if everybody else for Denver is hot, then yeah, you're going to be stuck in no man's land. It was just, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was one of those games where it's like, what happened? And uh-huh. I, I, I'm watching, I did not realize how hot Denver shooting, but is what it is, but they rebound, uh, beat the Washington Wizards one twelve to ninety eight. I had tweeted that despite their best efforts, Milwaukee still won because <laughs> in classic Milwaukee fashion. Uh, the third quarter was an absolute garbage pile of a performance. Um, but yeah, and part of that contributes to Giannis only taking one shot in the first quarter, and it was a heave at the buzzer. I yeah finishes with thirty three points. So. <laughs> That's just Giannis in a nutshell. He had 15 rebounds and 11. So it's like uh, typical, typical Giannis, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Drew had 22 points, um, you know, five rebounds. Didn't really do much on the assist side. Bobby Portis got 17 points. He was struggling from three, one of five, got in um, Montrez Harrell's face, which was more important. Chris did not have a good game, four of 12 from the field, two of seven from three, 13 points. Um, it, the, the Wizards are a weird team. Kyle Kuzma had 25 points on 19 shots, so good on him. And then, speaking of Montrezl Harrell, he had 20 points, but most notably, he had a hard foul on Giannis, which I don't I don't know where there wasn't any outroar for that because that was not that was that was a bad foul. That was it was foul. really bad. I so I didn't watch the game live. I rewatched it. it at full. Sp- I saw a lot of the highlight, like the replay in slow motion, and it looks bad there in full speed. It looks so brutal. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> he really like winds up and brings the arm down it's like shout out to bobby for going right into his face and not letting that slide because that's the other thing greg Monroe brings is he is not going to suffer fools so if bobby and greg confront a goon before uh greg's time is up i'd salute that good on you bobby going right up to it and being like look that's not going to be we're not going to let that slide it was, it was a really brutal foul yeah and it was one thing for like the arm on shoulder like that's dangerous to attack a guy's shoulder like that but then the way that Giannis fell like because clearly he was not expecting it he was winding up to go up for the dunk so then when he gets dragged down he like steps weird so you're worried about his knee leg and then he lands really hard i thought maybe he broke a rib with the way he landed and he was grabbing at his rib cage um so everything about it was just that was 
super dirty. Like it was, and the game was close, but what the hell? I mean, just <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. So I thought it, you could tell like Montrezl Harrell rushed up from the perimeter and just swiped at him, and it was it was not good. It was really not good. like the, all these other fouls. You could try to argue they're going for the ball. Like Harold did not look like he was going for the ball <laughs> at all. He didn't go for it at all. He just went right for his shoulder, like his bicep. It was not anywhere near the ball. Yeah, it was, it was it clearly was... just trying to prevent him from like getting an easy dunk. But what the hell? But then you you don't need to swing like that. Just you know, oh. just get a light, like just grab him, like try and grab him mid air at bat. Like I don't know, mm-hmm. like the swinging it was like clear. You were not trying to play the ball. It was good on Bobby for getting his face. Uh, and I think Giannis said like I'll pay for that fine or whatever, <laughs> which that's the right that's the right reaction to have. But I don't know. The Wizards are just they started off really hot this year, but they're just a weird team. I mean, they have like Kyle Kuzma is their best player other than Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal was out for this game as well. Yeah. yeah so that right there kind of tells you like good on Kyle Kuzma, get your stats. But if you're the best player, no one's going to take you seriously. But the, the most interesting thing to me for this game was, uh, so the Wizards aren't like a huge team, but they have Harold, they have uh, Daniel Gifford, they have Rui Hachimura, who I don't, I don't remember what he was out for, but he was out for like a while at the start of the season. For, I think it was a knee or Achilles. I think it was a knee injury. Yeah, some sort of injury. So, I mean, good for him to be back. So they have like a little bit of size, but Milwaukee's defense was interesting because we just gave up the switch to Montrez Harrell like with a lot of ease. So Harrell... I think he scored like 14 points in the fourth quarter. They just kept going to him because what we would do is let's say Aaron holiday is bringing the ball up. Um, and Giannis is the guy who is assigned to guard Harold right away to start. What they would do is Harold would set the pick. Giannis would like, it wouldn't even be an aggressive, like blitz the pick and roll. It would just be let the switch happen and then let Dante drew um, Pats, like any of the guards or wings who are down in the paint, try and just like man guard Harold and Interesting strategy. We ended up surviving it, obviously. They kind of got a little dicey there. I think the idea was, look, Harold's already working a whole bunch on defense because he has to try and guard Giannis. He's like the only real effective big man inside. And then to let him drain himself, like going possession after possession after possession, like in the post. Uh, whether or not that was the strategy ended up paying off because he ended up winning. But uh, we've seen a lot of times this year, it's like, oh, we don't have enough big man personnel, so just switch off of Harold and then pray to God like you can just kind of stand him up in the paint. I think that also probably is why Greg Monroe is here because it's just tough to watch Pat try to do that position after position. But that was the one fold was like we just gave up the switch and we're like, okay, if they're going to get it to Harold, we'll try to make his life hell um, and see if he can beat us. And it worked out in this game, but uh, yeah, I always get dice. I always feel real nervous when we're like, we'll just try to do like guy who's much smaller stand your ground to see if you can force like a tough shot for the other guy that's a tough strategy yeah it's definitely tough but i mean on the offensive side milwaukee was able to get 56 points in the paint which what shows like there isn't much rim protection that washington has so i think that was beneficial as well i that third quarter was just frustrating because it felt like a typical and i swear when i'm not as anxious as i normally am i will write the damn thing but mm-hmm. they allowed 33 points and Milwaukee only scored 25 I was just kind of like trying to glance through like the play-by-play just to see like okay what happened in the third quarter just to give me an idea and then they started up 13 and then Giannis and Bobby like made back-to-back baskets so I was like okay cool they're up 17 and then it was just the usual and I mean Washington also where it's getting to the line like 
KCP was getting to the free throw line a pretty decent amount. I think he had three free throws in a row at one point. Kyle Kuzma was getting there, and then he just started getting a little bit hot, making some shots. But it it was the combination of Washington was able to get a good amount of rebounds and not rebounds, free throws, along with some guy like Spencer Dinwiddie was hitting a couple shots. Kyle Kuzma's hitting a couple shots, but it, it, it wasn't it wasn't the typical Bucks like collapsing frustration. It was just more of a they could not stop. It was that lack of paint defending leading the fouls that led to the free throws that Washington had. But and and then anytime that the Bucks like you know as the lead starts to slowly evaporate, we kept getting good looks from like the perimeter. Giannis was doing a good job finding guys. It's just we go one of seven from three. Nobody really pays it off. Like. Chris didn't pay it off. Bobby didn't pay it off. Grayson didn't pay it off. Pat didn't pay it off. Wesley didn't pay it off. Like nobody paid off besides Dante. And I think Dante was just like a walk up. I'm going to decide to take a heat check. Right. It was, not, it was not by design. I think it was a, yeah. I'm open. I'm shooting. It was a yeah. Jordan so, Moore-esque shot. But like, so the, the process was fine. It's just that the results, and this is, you know, one of the concerns you could talk about with the Bucks is like, you know, our three point shooting is as, here today, gone tomorrow as any team in the league, maybe one of the worst in the league. So in a quarter like this where the process keeps making sense, but you can't pay it off to help staunch the bleeding, I think I'll, you know, that's, I, I'll i be curious when you do write the third quarter piece to look at like how bad does the three-point shooting drop from like our averages? Um, you know, what are the minute distribution? But I think in this game, that was a big thing was the three-point shooting, it just, evaporated it wasn't even all that great in the first half but it just did not exist in the third quarter especially yeah that's true and i think Giannis also but once it got to the third quarter and Milwaukee's only up five then Giannis just plays the whole fourth quarter and decides yeah he takes yeah he takes over he's like i'm gonna just do it and and, uh, like we were saying he there's not the size for washington to be able to stop him so it's like you know it's it's not that it was easy but he was able to get at the basket pretty consistently without too much uh interference in the way yeah um otherwise that's pretty much it for the wizards game um, then they played, they had a couple days off and I was like, wow, this is a long break. I forgot they went out West first stop over in Portland where Milwaukee pretty easily wins this game against the trailblazers. 137 to 108. Every buck that was available played and got a decent amount of minutes too. So this was a coast to coast boat race. Good victory. Um, the bucks did well in the third quarter, which <laughs> before it got, when it got the halftime, I was like, all right, here we go. We were up like 17, like 14. I think we were up 14 at the half and I was like, okay, let's see if they'll see how far they can blow this. Third like, quarter. How but are we going to mess this up? And then they scored 37 points, yep. <laughs> got 21 and they only allowed 21. So that was pretty good. Giannis, um, had 29 points. He was, yeah, 29 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Bobby Portis was on fire, could not miss. He had 30 points, 11 to 13 for the floor, which included six of eight from three. I mean, that was, that was kind of the most notable. Chris Middleton, 14 points, 13 shots. So he wasn't great. Drew Holiday only took four shots, only played 27 minutes. It was kind of a Dante had an okay-ish game, 10 points. Like it was a very simple way that Milwaukee was able to win against a Blazers team that is not tanking completely but definitely not trying tony snell they, had should, a couple they threes. should be tanking they should be tanking i think this is a way of like slowly going to tank it like tony snell hit a couple threes but cj mccollum was one of eight from three he definitely struggled like th- th- there's just not much there like anthony simmons took 13 threes there's just not a lot there for portland i yeah ben macklemore is their their lead guy off the bench yeah it, it's 
it's just a simple case of, I mean, the Trailblazers were never good defensively, but this normally they had the offense to make up for that. And in this case, they just didn't have anything to stop Giannis and Bobby and even Greg Monroe. He got blocked a few times, but Greg Monroe still able to get like six points on six rebounds in 15 minutes. So I, I feel like there's not much to take for this game other than when Bobby is shooting this well. I mean, Giannis started the game three of three from three. Mm-hmm. It was it was that kind of game where Giannis came out hot shooting three. Milwaukee shot forty six percent from three pointers, uh, twenty three of fifty. So Milwaukee couldn't miss. Portland can't defend, and that's I feel like all there is to it. I I don't know. There I feel like there isn't much more to that. No, um, we're getting Portland took the don't guard Giannis on the perimeter thing to another level where they literally like all five guys turned their back on him, and to his credit. He sunk all three of the first threes, and they were beauties too. Like they were, he got a corner three. I'm not sure if I've ever witnessed a Giannis I corner. It, it looked really good sure. too. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a really slick uh, move, and I love. I, I was like, I remember demanding a couple weeks ago, like if we're just gonna play yakety sacks ball, let's just have Giannis shoot from the corner just to see if he can nail a couple threes from there. So uh, yeah, once that started happening, I think Bobby. Two of his like other field goals, his foot was right on the line, so he should have gone like eight to ten from three. <laughs> he had an amazing game, good for him. Um, yes, so like the size differential uh, for Portland was the main issue for them, uh, and like Yusuf Nurkic, he's their one big guy, and he suffered every injury under the sun that you can. It's amazing that he's still playing. Uh, he tried to like mean mug Giannis to start the game, which to me was. It's a poor decision, but whatever you want to do, guy. Um, and everybody else, like, played, played okay. Like, we once we got up to, like, a 15 or 17-point lead just to start the game, it was like, okay, this is going to be pretty quickly a wrap. And it was, I, I thought, for a second, the Lindell, Wigginton, Greg Monroe, Dante, Jordan Wara, and Wesley uh, <laughs> lineup was going to blow our, like, 17-point lead, but they held on. Good for them. And even Shemi Ogilvy made two threes, so... You know, God, God bless. We really kicked the hell out of the Trailblazers. Yeah, I, I really just don't know like what I could come up with. I like watching that game. It was a this. Thank you, thank you for making this easy on the late nights. This, this is what I need for the West Coast road trip. Keep yeah, everything but, simple. Keep the game yeah. like if you want to end the game before like midnight or even 11, 11 p.m. Fine by me. Yeah. Did, was there anything was there anything from Greg Monroe in particular since he was the new guy that you noticed that was like good thing, bad thing? Uh, he got blocked a lot of times, like three times by guys who are quite a bit smaller than him. So a little concerned there. I liked his very first offense possession. He checks in. The crowd roars, obviously, because everybody loves the Greg Monroe story. And Giannis immediately like gets the ball and dumps it off to him in the paint. And Greg cooks and gets blocked. But it was yep. a good decision. I'm glad Giannis was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it up to my guy here to see what he's got. So shout out to you, Giannis, for for boosting Greg Monroe. But was there anything from Greg in particular, you know, notable? I remember the very first Cousins game was like, wow, this guy is is like <laughs> way better than I expected. Greg Monroe, scale of one to ten, how did or like one to five, how did he do? Uh, I'd say 2.5. Like, he wasn't bad. He he did what he needed to. He was getting the rebounds. He was boxing out dudes. He got his normal baskets. Uh, disappointed at the lack of and one shouts. Um, and maybe that's because yeah. I was listening a little bit quieter because it was late at night and I wouldn't wake anyone else up in the house. But it's he, he never was. Like I said, he was never a vertical person, but it's like definitely showing he's not a vertical person. But when he picked that lot, when he just like swiped and got that steal, I was like, oh, okay, yep. 
There it is. And he made there he made is. great decisions in transition too. He like started leading the attack and then he held up. He passed it to Chris, who swung it to Pat for a three. Like, okay, here you go, Greg. I love the decision making. So yeah, there were some highlights for sure. Yeah, I, I think he was fine. I, I don't expect him to be what he was when he was first in Milwaukee, but I, I think his ability and I think what will be nice is he still has the post moves. I think two of those, I think one of the blocks was like straight up, but like, I think one was from behind and the other was mm-hmm. just like an off bet, like kind of like a, there was one where there was like four defenders all around him and he was just trying to get the put back. So yeah, it was a tough spot. Yeah. Like one was definitely a put back. One was a, one was from behind. And I think only one was straight up. Like he does. It is what it is. I would say it's fine. I, again, it's Greg Monroe. I will be happy about it, but I don't think there was anything significant with it. I think it's a, he's going, he's primarily going to be there to, bully dudes down low maybe get some free throws and not be a complete negative on defense yeah which is no, fine. i agree yeah i think uh it's nice to have a guy who has like a traditional post game just because that's a different look on offense just to give a guy other guys like a you know a breather for a possession or two if you want to like greg cook and i mean um, he's and a if, decent passer from the like he's a decent passer from the post as well yeah yeah i mean all things considered for the fact that he had signed like 24 hours previously and just showed up i thought pretty decent overall. So we'll see. I, I know we played the Clippers tonight, the Lakers. Uh, do, do the Clippers have still have Zubach? Are they still running Zubach out there? Um, I can double check. I don't... Maybe. I know we're playing a couple of teams with a couple of goons up on the squad. Uh, we'll play the Suns here next week uh, at the end of this road trip. So I'll be curious if Greg, if his real value is gooning it up and out-gooning the other goons. So I mean, if there's a game, if, these are the three games where if you're going to be a goon, this is, these are three good games. This is the to ones to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marcus Why Morris not? is coming up. Marcus Morris tonight. So get ready to goon it up. Uh, oh yeah, Greg, I mean that's always a guarantee. It. Plus, it's a, like then you have the Lakers, who pro- everyone there is a goon of some type. Like, yeah, there's probably <laughs> some opportunities. There's yeah. probably, uh, but anything else from either of these games, I guess. Now at the top, good to get back on the winning streak. Like you said, it, the perfect Trailblazers game because they get it done. Giannis has an amazing stat line in 25 minutes, which will need like an easy easy night off when we're going to have the Clippers tonight on a back-to-back and then Lakers later this week and then um, the Suns uh, at the start of next week. So I think perfect way to start the road trip uh, and then good good way to get up the schneid. A little too close for comfort against the Wizards, but we blew it open at the end, so that's what matters. Yep, got the wins. Good to see hot shooting night from Bobby. Good bounce-back games for him. They did enough. Like, Chris Middleton was not great but he did what he needed to so we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we will head to our miscellaneous topics so stay tuned all right we are back riley looks like you have the rapid fire questions for this week i do just a couple of quick ones or so i say to myself but usually they go a lot longer than uh we anticipate so the first one here this is critical Yes or no, will Dante DiVincenzo be a Milwaukee Buck to start the 2022-2023 season? No. I, I think he gets a contract that Milwaukee will look, and even though I think Milwaukee will want it, I think the contract will be slightly too high, and they'll, re- they'll prioritize keeping Pat and Bobby, and there won't be enough salary, and they're going to want to save taxes. Why? So, yeah, okay. I'm going to say no. Fair enough. Uh, are you a tea guy? If yes, what kind of tea do you like? If no, why not? I I do drink tea. Yeah, it was funny because this morning I had some Earl Grey uh, earlier. So I I don't I do like Earl Grey. I think I'm more of a green tea kind of person. I, I green or mint. I, 
because it's a nice caffeine substitute for coffee mm-hmm. on the weekends, especially when I just don't have time to make, you know, get a French press going. If I had a drip coffee, maybe I'll change, but I normally do French press. I think if I had more, it's a nice option. I do like tea. I know my parents growing up always drank teas as well, so I, I like it. It's not my first go-to in terms of like a caffeine boost, but it is a nice, I want a hot drink. Yeah. Or, you know, when it gets colder, like it'll be nice to ha- get a raspberry tea or like a mint tea going and have it in the summer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you do bag exclusively or do you do any loose leaf at all? Uh, we've done loose leaf for mint. We'll do like for mint. We'll definitely it's got to be like from like the mint leaves have to be there, but everything else yeah. is probably bag. Yeah, we're mostly the same. I like going to the tea shops just to look at like all the varieties because it is pretty crazy how many different kinds yeah. of teas they have there. Um, so that it, I agree, it is a nice change of pace. The herbal teas, like some winter teas with like the right spices that it, like it the is sleepy, quite the There's like a sleepy time tea. <laughs> yeah. That was always my go-to when I was younger. Yes. That was helpful. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yeah, I, I'm also a tea guy. Probably a little bit less than I used to be, but I, I had some chai this morning. It was pretty good. So shout out to tea. Okay, uh, this is this is critical. I think every Bucks fan of a certain age, and by a certain age, I mean have been watching since like 2010, knows where were you when you heard that Greg Monroe signed with the Bucks for the first time, the first free agency selection? Because I think everybody remembers where they were when that news came across. Yes, I was at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, because it was like 2 o'clock or something. It was, it was like, like yeah, early was like afternoon. Early afternoon on a weekday, and I was like, wait, what? I, it was two, Yeah, I was at work, and I was on my lunch break. So I missed <laughs> I missed it initially because yeah. I can't have my, I couldn't have my phone when I was working. So when I got on my lunch, I was able to look at it and I was just like, wait, Oh, holy crap. And I mm-hmm. definitely remember seeing that I was getting excited. I was trying to, and all my friends were like, okay. Cause most of my friends don't care about the bucks as much as I do. So for me, so like that was my outlet. And then when I like listened to lock the bucks, like immediately after I remember getting very excited about it, but yes, I was at work on a lunch and like, I took a lunch break to see the news. Yeah, I, I was also at work. I was working as a summertime janitor at that time. And I remember the news came across. We were cleaning the like uh, superintendent's office. We were uh, cleaning up that carpet, getting in there. And we all stopped and we're like, holy crap. And me and my brother were like big Bucks fans. But everybody else is sort of like, you know, typical like, oh, the Bucks are like, OK. But everybody else, they were sort of like my age, me and my brother's age. But they, they were pretty excited about it. So it, it did feel like. It felt like a big didn't, deal. It did. It, I, th- I think it was ultimately like to be, it was Greg Monroe, but at the time, like, you know, he was one of the premier free agents and we snagged him over like the Knicks. And I think there was one other team that we were able to beat out yeah. for his signature. I can't remember who it was, but whoever it was, it was like, wow, we, we beat out like the Knicks, the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Knicks. It did feel like it was the start of like a change in direction, which I mean, ultimately, you could say it kind of was the more professionalization of the organization kind of started there and it has kept up throughout Increased the entire after year. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Winter Olympics just began, or the opening ceremony was the other night. Uh, do you watch the Winter Olympics? And if you do, do you have a go to sport that you enjoy watching? It's funny because, like, I've thought, I sat there and thought about it. And I was like, I really don't care about mostly sports. Like, I can get into, like, the Summer Olympics, like a handball. I will get into handball. I will get into, <laughs> yeah. like, a bunch of events, like, rowing. I will get into all that. Yeah, yeah. Winter Olympics, not so much. I, I am a big, like, figure skating, I will watch. Like, that's probably the big one. Like, hockey, if it's on, I'll watch it as well. 
you know, hockey's definitely one where it's like, yeah, I'll watch it. But I think figure skating, uh, Emma was a, is a big fig, figure skating person, like fan. And so like when that's on, she tries to watch it. Um, but this Olympics, I just completely forgot it started now. It just yeah. came out of nowhere. Like I remember the last one in 2018, that one we spent nights, like we would go and specifically watch, you know, figure skating. But that, that's probably it. I don't mind speed skating. Like I don't mind it, but some of the skiing is cool. It looks really like hardcore. I'm like, holy crap. The biathlon was weird. I was like, I could not, like, it was one of those where. Is I that the one where they shoot the rifle or whatever? Yeah, they, they like have, go like, and ski yeah. and get to a place and shoot the rifle. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of like interesting, but I'm, I just can't get into it because I feel like maybe it's because like ski, it just seems a lot slower, even though hell of athletes, like these athletes are very impressive to do that, mm-hmm. especially in the cold. I'm not going to do it, but I can't, it, it's just like, I can't watch it. Yeah, curling. We have a curling club like three blocks away from us. So uh, shout out to the curlers from Minnesota, Canada, the rest of this beautiful nation. Wisconsin, yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, respect. I've never seen a curling club until I moved over here to St. Paul and this literally just down the street. So shout out to the curling club. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew of that curling club. Uh, I know there is one in the Madison area or something, but I know there's – I just don't (laughs) – you're not into it. It's not I can't. It I you. just can't. Like I get. Like people get really excited for it. But, like I don't. I I just don't care. Yeah. And Sterling yeah. Sterling has now grabbed the broom, and I think he sees them with the broom. So then he went and grabbed the broom and has been running around the house with it. So he might be into it. It does seem. I mean, you know, much better than me. They're like slowly sliding, doing the. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very particular. You definitely get the weirdo sports. I, I think that that's. I think it falls under the. I feel like I could do it myself, so therefore I don't take it seriously <laughs> don't enough. respect it. <laughs> right. Like, all these yeah. other ones. Like, the skiing, yeah. Like, the biathlon, like, you got, like, cross-country skiing, like, snowboarding, speed skating, even luge and, like, toboggan, all those. Like, you have to be like, – I understand, like, I cannot do that. So, therefore, I will get But it. the difficulty difficulty with curling is it looks like every dude at my local grocery store right. just showed up and you're like, let's rock. I honestly <laughs> feel like it's a, a bunch of people I went to high school with just drunkly do it, and therefore it – I was like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, shout out curling. My final question for you: uh, Don't consider roster need whatsoever. For you, who should be the next Bucks sentimental free agent signing? I am going with John Henson. I, yeah. I, I think John Henson would be a great addition, just because it feels like his personality just is great. He's just a jokester. Hearing about his Chipotle runs would always mm-hmm. it would just be fun to hear about it. So, and uh, I would I would say, and we saw he was becoming a three point shooter. We, we, we turned him. He, Bud turned him into one uh, into a sharpshooter, into a sniper from three, which is amazing. It was we, awesome. We need it. We need it. So, and I, I would just laugh if like there was a ESPN or like if he heard like Matt Barnes say something, and then just like John Hens would just like fire off a tweet at Matt Barnes. I, I, uh-huh. I would. That would be my next pick. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of we're running low on dudes now that we've brought Greg back. We brought Brandon Jennings back. Uh, I think Monte Ellis is retired, and that would probably be a mistake anyhow. Um, I, I don't know who my next one would be. Probably John Hanson. He's like the most relevant. He always had like I remember he always did um, a thing every summer with fans where he would go out like fishing on yep. Lake Michigan because I think he's a big fisherman. So uh, shout out to John for being a man of the people, man of the Chipotle. Maybe like a crappy. Like Rashad Vaughn, I don't know. Are people sentimental about Rashad Vaughn? I think people are more sentimental about John. I feel Hansen. like I feel like Rashad Vaughn would be like a 
I wonder how much he's matured. Like, yeah, <laughs> it'd be an interesting what, one. What about Jabari. Nate Walters? Nate Walters. Oh, he that'd was, be a good one. That'd be a good one. He came into the league with Giannis, and I think he's killing it in Israel right now. So shout out to you, Nate. Jabari Walters, would always be, be. Jabari would definitely be an interesting one to see how people would react. Yeah, there's a couple of candidates now. That I think about it. Thon, we could bring Thon. Oh God. <laughs> I think Fond asking to be traded kind of ruined whatever. That soured it. People really like were really pissed off about that. I don't know why. I was like, okay, whatever. I was moved on to Fond anyhow. This is a dumb idea, but okay. (laughs) It was a dumb idea, but you probably could have gotten a dumb. You would have gotten a dumb contract for the front office because you were Giannis's guy. Like you probably could have made money. Yeah, see what happened with Pat Connaughton. (laughs) Yeah, and then he probably could have turned into an actual NBA player. So shout out to you, Thon. All right, cool. Well, those are my rapid fire this week. Awesome. Awesome. And now I have a film review and Kanto. I, I, I am giving people next time I'm on, I'm going to do Spider-Man because I think I've given enough of a leeway. But Encanto, a movie I've watched so many times because <laughs> I get it. It's pretty Because you have kids. Well, you, I, you get kids. it. It's good. And you have kids. I have kids. It is a good movie. It's I like the story. Um, I think it did. I think it did a really good job at like highlighting, you know, more Latin American culture in a positive way. Um, I think it's just long enough that you it can be it feels like a movie, but it's not overbearingly long. Where it's like, okay, this we could have ended this like twenty minutes ago. I, I think it's a good. I think the plot is pretty solid. You know, it's not anything special. I think the songs the songs are definitely great. We don't yeah. talk about Bruno, second best diss track in the history of cinema behind <laughs> The Grinch. <laughs> The Grinch is still number one, but yeah, Bruno, yeah. we don't talk about Bruno's pretty good. Um, Way Down Miracle, strong power, power ballad. You know, you got to mm-hmm. have one of those. <laughs> Surface Pressure is a good, like, self-realization song that every, everything needs. And then, like, Dos Origatos is just going to hit you in the feels. Like, that's that's the shit that makes you cry. So yeah. it's got everything you need in the Disney. <laughs> it's got movie. all the notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, like I said, solid solid storyline it's very visually appealing as well like just all the colors and like the animation so i think i enjoyed it it is a good seven out of ten i think this i think it would have been slightly higher if i hadn't just watched it yesterday and probably will watch it again at some point today yeah that uh that definitely will hit the ratings if you have to watch it four or five times in a two-week span yeah um the the like plot is like it's a village in somebody's like half animal, something like that. Or so am I it's thinking a village wrongly? in Colombia, and like okay. this family has powers. Like each, okay. like most of the family members have like some powers. So like one has like they can control weather. One it can hear like one is super hearing. One is super strong. Another like heals people with like a meal. And they're okay. and the main character doesn't get a power. Of course, that's a good one. Okay, I like that turn. So yeah. then now they have to end then like the grandma only gets this like miracle because like her husband dies. <laughs> like as <laughs> of course Dizzy, someone has to die in order for like mm-hmm. Yeah. So the grandma like deals with like it's it's never good at describing like generational trauma and like mm-hmm. passing down that trauma down to like your kids and then your grandkids. So yeah, they're and then like the house is like falling apart she's got and like the main character has to figure out why but also feel like okay. an outcast because she's the only one in her family that doesn't have a power interesting okay no i like the plot i didn't i wasn't 100 sure but I yeah like the, i'm uh, the trying to explain the plot as much as i can without too much spoilers but yeah it's def- i think the big theme of this movie is generational trauma and how it affects you know how your trauma can affect those after you 
Interesting. That's kind of a that's a bit of a thorny topic, but Disney usually they're pretty good at. Disney uh, literally went with Frozen Two, saying, "Hey, our parents may or may not have caused like a gen- almost genocide of the people because we were backstabbers." <laughs> like they're willing to go there. Disney's willing to go there. Salute to you, Disney. Disney really yes. said, "Like, oh yeah, like your your parents kind of like your parents or someone in your family effed up a whole tribe of people." Like mm-hmm. I think Disney's fine with it now. That's true. Shout out to Disney. Good job, Encanto. Seven out of ten was pretty good. Yeah, music music's great. So if you're looking for, yeah, like I said, if your kid hasn't demanded you watch it yet, I'd say it's fun. It's a fun watch. It's for the kids. Shout out to the kids. Yep. All right. And it looks like you have a journal, um, notebook, I should say, review. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Notebook is like the lame way. If you say journal, it sounds cooler. So uh, Kyle... For those who were listening last week, I panned the Leuchtturm 120G notebook journal. Uh, this is this hurts, but I've gone French. I've gone with Claire Fontaine, the My Essentials notebook. Uh, in French is Mon Essential. Essential, I can't pronounce anything, so sorry for any French speakers out there. Um, so it looks ugly as hell on the outside. I hate the design of it, but two key things. One, it's a soft cover, so it lays pretty flat, and as people would who listened last week know I wanted to lay flat. And the lines on it uh, are much like more spaced than your typical notebook. That's a pretty thick line. I'd have to find a like turn around with a line in it, but this is like pretty wide lining. The paper, smooth, but not as smooth like a whiteboard like last week's journal. Um, I like the cream color on it. Uh, it was a little bit cheaper than a Leuchtturm is. Clairefontaine is like the other big um, European notebook journal brand. Um, I've, you know, it's nothing too crazy. It's, it's, it's a solid journal, um, served me pretty well so far. They claim that it's the world's best paper. I do not think that is the case, but it is paper that is produced in France. So that's kind of cool that it's like, you know, whatever local to that market. Um, so I, I would say so far, I'd give it probably also a seven out of 10. It's gotten the job done. Um, if you're just looking for something, if you have a bit of a wider, Handwriting, I, I would not go for a log term if you're somebody who needs lines and also has big prints because it's just it's not going to fit nicely for you. This would fit a lot nicer if you're that kind of person. And for me, somebody who writes small, I think it's helpful that it encourages me to write a little bit bigger so I write clearer. So everything about it I've liked so far, um, 7 out of 10. Um, the Claire Fontaine My Essentials Notebook. Go and get your notebooks or journals, people. Go for it. There you go. All right. That is good. I was going to ask because after hearing last week's, I was like, what was like, because <laughs> after I heard last week, I was like, okay, well, this is a, I was shocked to hear it. Uh, this one. I I panned it and I went to their website, Lugterm's website. It's the very last product they list on their entire like product. So I'm guessing it probably hasn't sold well and probably hasn't tested well. So I was with the people in my review, I think. There you go. There you go. So that is the notebook review. And now we're going to close it out with our predictions. So by the time you're hearing this, the Bucks will likely have already played. Uh, they have the Clippers tonight. And then Tuesday, they go to they stay in LA and play the Lakers. And then Thursday, uh, the first rematch against the Suns since the finals. So, Riley, what are you thinking for these three games? This is tough. I want to say we'll go two and one. I think we'll beat both Laker both, excuse me, uh, Los Angeles teams. And I think we will lose against the Suns, which will kick off a wonderful, like, take fest of people who are like, wow, the Bucks are awful, blah, blah, blah. I think we will go 2-1 and one this week. How about you? I also say 2-1, and one, but I think they win against the Suns. I, I think they lose to the Clippers just back-to-back. 
I don't know, like just the travel on a back to back that might get a little bit dicey. They beat the Lakers and I think they as we've seen with the Bucks, they will take a team seriously when they absolutely have to. And the Suns, they're going to take very seriously. It's going to be close, but I, I do feel good about the Bucks winning that one. Just because, like I said, that is a game that they are going to probably circle and be like, all right, we got to make sure to try in this game. Mm-hmm. So I- I'll say two and one. They beat the Lakers because the Lakers are just a mess, even if LeBron is back. The Clippers, it's I think they just, I think they struggled tonight with the Clippers, not really because of anything more than it's a back to back. They just flew, they probably just landed at some yeah. point last night. So just natural fatigue. And then, yeah, try against the sun. So, yeah, I, I think that's everything we got for this week. Make sure to check us out at brewhoop.com for Riley's Monday morning media roundup. We got Van's progress report. Alex, Alex and I are going to get the herd piece going. Adam, I think, is going to have the Wednesday prognosis along with the extended recaps and the extended forecasts. Uh, make sure to follow us at Brewhoop. I don't know. We're going to probably have a rotation who's running Twitter just because it's West Coast and most of us can't stay up for it. And otherwise, we thank you very much. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share your podcast with your friends. Give us five stars. I saw we have a five-star rating on, um, on Spotify, so that's pretty cool. Unless you don't want to use Spotify anymore because of – Certain reasons uh, would totally understand. So <laughs> review wherever you get the podcast. Review, review, it always your, helps everything review else. on your podcast app. But thanks for ta- thanks for listening. We will talk to you later. <laughs>